listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we're going to hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. Title of the message, What Are You Depositing? You can go to the bank and deposit your check into your account, your checking or your savings, right? And you have the ability to draw that. You know that there's funds there and you're able to go and you're able to withdraw any time later, right? You can also put a deposit down, meaning that you're pledging to pay something off in full. Or sometimes there's a deposit that's required. Maybe you're renting a place and they, they require a deposit that's going to cover any damages or, or possibly you get it back. Most of the time in my life, I've never got a, a deposit down back, but uh, I blame that on the landlords just because they were greedy. But anyway, what are you depositing? I believe that what you do in the natural can be done in the spiritual. Does that make sense? What we do in the natural, making deposits when we earn our paycheck, but I believe that we can take deposits to God. Amen? I believe that that we can make these deposits, and I'm not talking about your work that you've done, uh, storing up treasures in heaven. I'm not talking about going and visiting widows, taking food to somebody. I'm talking about just working uh, and praising God. I'm talking about whenever we pray, when we meditate, when we read, we're making deposits to God. When we stand faithful before God, we're making a deposit to God. We're we're showing him our faith. We're showing him our love, our adoration, our respect. We're, We're making a deposit that he is God and that we need him, and everything that we do. In every moment of our day, we're saying, I need you, God. So tonight, we're going to be looking at, in Daniel. And, and let me give you a little background. We're, we're in chapter one first in Daniel. But Israel's fallen and they've been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Uh, this captures like any other capture. Uh, Israel has failed to obey the laws of God. They're walking in disobedience. So the Babylonians, the Babylonians are taking the Israelites to Babylon. And listen, this is not an easy journey. This is a very long journey, and I would say not everybody made it to Babylon. Ezra, chapter 7, verse 9, tells us, it lets us know exactly how far this journey is. Listen, on the first day of the first month, first month, he began his journey from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. I just want you to see how long it took. It took four months to travel. About 900 miles is what it said in commentary, that it took a great distance. I'm not even sure that I would want to make that trip. I, I think that I would sit down and say, you know what, I, I'd rather not be in captivity. Now, on top of that, some of these men, if not all men, have been made a eunuch. And I don't know if you know what that means. And I don't know if that happened before the trip or during the trip. You know, your kids ask you, are we there yet? Maybe it happened at that moment. You're, you're one of those people who said, are you there yet? Boom. Hey, how much farther? Boom. You know, I, I don't know when it happened, but these men, uh, they weren't treated very fairly, right? I mean, this is a very bad tactic to shut somebody up or just to get you to comply to whatever's going on. It's a really bad deal for these men. But think about it. What, what better way for the, for the enemy to kill God's people than to stop reproduction, right? There are four men of Israel particularly mentioned in the book of Daniel. We have Daniel and his three Hebrew pals, Hanai, Michelle, and Azariah, which became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we learn from the word that these men are good looking. They're gifted with all wisdom They possess knowledge 
and they're quick to understand. So look at your neighbor and say to them, does that remind you of anyone? I mean, I, I read that and I looked in the mirror and I said, that reminds me of somebody, huh? Anyway. King Nebuchadnezzar has taken these men and they appointed them to training so that they might serve the king. Daniel 1 and 5, and the king appointed them daily provisions of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that the end thereof they might stand before the king. They're given this special diet. They're given this, this delicacies of meat and whatever. They're given, they're given wine to drink. And you're thinking, that's not bad. Plenty of food and enough wine to drink away the blues and the herd of being a eunuch, whatever's going on. But that's not what Daniel and his friends are thinking. Daniel says in 1 and 8, he says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile him, sir, himself with the portion of the king's de delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs, that he might, might not defile himself. Listen, he's already been defiled by the Babylonians. They took something he needed. Now they're trying to give him something that he doesn't want. He's, he's telling the, the chief of the eunuchs, he's saying, I cannot do this. I cannot defile myself. Because see, what, what we all think about and what we read about is the Daniel's fast. We, we say they fasted, they fasted, but maybe it wasn't a fast that they were on. Maybe there was food on that table that, that, that was forbidden by the law of Moses. Maybe there's food on that table that was forbidden by the law of God. It wasn't that they were trying to fast. They were saying, I can't have that because my God says that I cannot have that. Maybe it wasn't a fast. Maybe they were just being obedient to the will of God and the law of God to say, I have to stay away from that. So Daniel asked the chief of the eunuchs, who's terrified of King Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know why, do you? He says, Daniel asked for vegetables and water for 10 days. And if we look worse than the others, sir, we will switch back to the king's menu. So 10 days go by and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they look greater and they look better than everyone else. So what does the chief of the eunuchs does? He makes everybody switch their diet to vegetables and water. Daniel and his friends, they don't want to defile their bodies. They're making a deposit to God. They're saying, I'm going to be faithful no matter where I'm at, no matter what's taking place right now, I'm going to be faithful to you, God. I've been taken captive, but I'm going to be faithful. So there's times in our lives where we get taken captive. There's times in our lives where, where we fall backwards instead of going forward the way God wants us to. But we gotta remain faithful. We gotta, we gotta put in our spirit, man. We gotta put it in our mind. We gotta start speaking the words of confession. I will not defile myself. And Lord, I'm sorry for whatever it is. Whatever captivity that we walk in, we gotta realize I'm gonna stand faithful to God. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What is Daniel and his friends doing? Exactly what it's saying. What is Paul asking of us? He says, beseech, and that means to beg, I appeal to you. That by the mercies of God, and you think about the mercies of God, all the compassion that he's poured upon us, all the forgiveness that he's given us, the cross of Jesus, the resurrection of Christ, the promise of eternity. He's saying, by all mercies of God, I beg you, keep your bodies. Holy, acceptable sacrifice unto God for your reasonable service. He's saying, live life the way that you need to. Out of, out of your confession, out of your body, 
out of, out, of, out of your service be this living sacrifice. That means to yield to God. It means to make a living sacrifice. It means to be willing, willing to go, George. If God tells you to do something, don't come to pastor and say, I feel like pastor. This is what God's telling us to do. Well, no, he gave it to you. Be willing to do this. Be willing to move, Scotty, whenever he says move. Uh, Judy Palmer prayed for me this morning. She said it was laid up on her. I wasn't feeling greatest, and, and this morning she was willing to move. She said, hey, stop for a minute. Let me pray. She was willing to do. She was willing to yield and be a living sacrifice. Make it holy, to be morally blameless, to do what's right. When nobody's looking, God's saying to do what's right. These men were doing what's right before God. They didn't want to defile their bodies. They didn't want to eat the, the food that was against the law of God. Make it acceptable to God. Repentance. When we do wrong, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get convicted, we gotta come back to God and we gotta say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Make it full of light. Put the word in you. Put the living word in you and confess it. That you're the praise of his righteousness. That, that you're the head and not the tail. That, that everything that God has for you, everything that God has put inside of you, you're gonna work it for your good. Make it full of light. Make it dead to sin. Have self-control. Have self-discipline, no right. Make it alive to Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, I, I like how it opened. That, that he sees joy, he sees smile, he sees happiness. That means we're alive in Christ. And that we should give ourselves a hand clap. But give God a hand clap because he's made us alive in him. Amen? Refuse slavery to sin. Don't go back. What God has pulled you out of, don't go back. Don't go back into the Egypt that he brought you out of. And make it home to the Holy Spirit. Allow God to move in. Allow God to be upon the throne of your heart and do what he wants to do in your life. Amen? What a deposit. And I hope, I hope and pray that God will continue to make us better at this, that we don't defile our bodies, but we will yield ourselves unto him so that we'll be used. By not defiling our bodies, we're making a deposit. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he threatens to kill all of his servants if there isn't an interpretation given. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they seek God. They go before him, they're, they're part of the servants. Their life is threatened. And they go before God on their hands and knees and they say, listen, almighty God, we need you right now. More than, more than anything else in the world, one, we wanna spare everybody else's life because we think that you're here, that we're here for a purpose, to work everything out. We need you. And God answers their prayers and God gives them the interpretation to Daniel of the dream. And by God's grace, he's able to, to share it with King Nebuchadnezzar. And these four men, they're saved, but they're not only saved, they're promoted. The three Hebrew sons, boys are, are promoted to, to the affairs of the providence of Babylon. And Daniel becomes the chief officer of the palace. Proverbs 8 and 17, it tells me, I love those who love me. How about you? You love those who love you? I do. I love those who love me. It's easy, right? It's easy to love those that love you. And those who seek me diligently will find me. God loves you. And he loves when you love on him. And he loves when you diligently seek him. And you will find him. And that's what they went, whenever they went to prayer for Daniel to have this interpretation, is exactly what they were doing. They were pouring all their love out on him. Saying, we have to rely on you. We need you. You are the only God that can supply our need. You're the only God that can give the interpretation to this dream because all the other people could not do it. 
They sought the Lord and the Lord showed up for them. And he spared their life. He gave the interpretation and advancement in their ranks. What a blessing. That's just the interest of the deposit. King Nebuchadnezzar decides to make an image of gold. It's gigantic, 12 and a half by 125 feet tall. There's a dedication service to it. And in this dedication service, the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, the rulers of the providence, the king calls all the servants together and he makes them stand before this idol. In Daniel 3, verse 4, it says, Then a Herod cried aloud to you and commanded, O people, nations, and language. And he's telling them, When the music plays, you are to bow before this idol. Verse 6 says, And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. The music plays. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stay standing straight up. Everyone else drops. And someone sees them and turns them in. But the king knows the value of these three men. And he goes to him. he says, bring them to me. And he goes, will you not bow before my idol? And they said, they say, we won't bow before your idol. And we won't bow before your gods. Why? Because they're keepers of the law of God. Exodus 20 and 3, you shall have no other gods before me. They refuse to bow to any other god. And King Nebuchadnezzar in his fiery rage, he commands the three to be brought to him. And he says, is it true? If you don't bow, you will worship me or you will burn. Verse 15 says, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Man, I don't understand why these people in the Old Testaments who, who were kings and rulers always wanted to challenge God. It wasn't about challenging the, the three Hebrew sons, boys. It was about challenging God. God is who he says that he is. I am that I am. He is God Almighty. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verse 16, they say, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Pretty much we, we don't need to defend ourselves because our God will defend us. We just need to be quiet and allow God to be who, that, who he is and just trust in him. Verse 17 says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The king is making a threat. He, he tells them we're going to make it seven times hotter. We're, he bounds them. They won't bow their knees, but they get bound. They got all their garments on. They got their turban on. They got their cloaks on. They are bound. If you're bound, you can't move. If you're bound, you're, you're walking very slowly. If you're bound, you ain't got no right, no hope. But he binds them up and he throws them into the fiery furnace. Those that took him, took him to the fiery furnace and threw in, they were killed by the heat of the fire. 24 says, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he arose in haste, spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true O king, they were bound, bound. Dave, come here. Scotty, come here. 
<laughs> We're bound. We're bound in a fire, walking. Did we not throw three men in, bound? We can't move, right? But what's he say? He comes back and he says, they're loosed. They're loosed, walking around, loosed. They're bound, but now they're loosed. 26 says, look, he answered, I see four men, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not burnt, they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth man is like the Son of God. How does even King Kevin Nebuchadnezzar even know what the, what the Son of God looks like? But he says, the fourth is like the Son of God. He comes to the burning, burning fire furnace and he calls these men. He says, listen. He says to them, listen to how he says it in, in 26. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And as they're coming out, guess what? All the electives, all the elect officials are coming. They're coming to see these men. How could it not be? How could they not burn? The fire didn't burn their bodies. The fire didn't scorch their hairs. The fire had no power on them. They didn't even smell like smoke. Psalms 84, 11 and 12 tells me, for the Lord God is a son. He's the sun. He's an all-consuming fire. When, the, when God is the consuming fire and you're in a fire, you will not be consumed. You'll not be burned because God is the fire maker. Amen. If you remember Elijah was on top of the mountain, he said, send a fire. The fire consumed him. God's the all-consuming fire. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He's a shield. Not only will the fire not burn him, but he is a shield, and, and, and I don't think just about a shield that I carry. I, I think about this dome that's just over top of him, that in the middle of this fire, that there's this dome, this protective, that you can't see dome, and it's allowing him to just walk. There's no choking going on. There's walking in the midst of a fire because their God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and favor, and grace and glory, favor and supply. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? Man, they're not defiling their body. They're not accepting what, what this Babylonian nation wants out of them. They're keeping the Lord God in front of them. Whatever is going on in your life, if you keep God in front of you, no good thing will he withhold from you that walk uprightly, that walk blameless before him. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in thee. I would say that these three men, whenever they answered the question and say, our God will protect us, our God will bring us out of this, whenever they went and they were cast in, they still had all the trust in the world, Mike. And as they were loosened, I'm sure they just started rejoicing and dancing and shouting. And whether it was Jesus or an angel, I'm sure that they were praising the Lord in the middle of the storm. Amen. 3 and 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him. Man, when you trust in the Lord, other people are always watching you. Those officials came. They wanted to see what was going on after the fire. They wanted to see what was going on whenever they walked out of the storm, whenever they walked out of the fire, everybody wanted to see. And the king is saying, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him. They have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies not, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. When we make our deposits to God, we're in God. When we have faithfulness to God, when we walk bold, when we walk blameless, when we act like we're supposed to act, we're making deposits into God. 
and we don't know what kind of return that we're going to get. These men were walking undefiled, making deposits, praising, praying, doing the things that they had to do, not knowing the return, not expecting the return. They, They weren't doing it because of a return. They were doing it because they loved God. You and I, we should be the same way. We shouldn't expect a return. We should be walking because of the cross. We should be walking holy and blameless because of Jesus and the sacrifice that God made for us. Now, Daniel wasn't around for the excitement, but I can imagine these three men coming to him and telling him all about the circumstance that they faced because we always like to talk about God. We always want to brag on what God has done for us, right? Daniel, can you imagine? The fire was so hot, we could feel it as we were approaching, as they were were dragging us pretty much, forcing us, and as they tossed us in, the heat, it burnt them. But we didn't feel that once we were in the middle of it. Can you imagine the hand clapping, the foot stomping that was going on, the praising and the thankfulness that was coming out of their mouth? Can you imagine what he was saying? Just making deposits, huh? Just continuing to make deposits, praising, being thankful for God's good, good grace, being faithful men. God himself made a deposit for you and I, though. That deposit was sent forth as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Luke 2 and 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. The Son of God was sent, pledging to pay it in full. Isaiah 55, 3 and 4, he says, incline your ear and come unto me. Prophecy, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and you shall live. Your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I've given him, Jesus, for a witness to the people and a leader and a commandment. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God has sent his son. He confirmed it in Matthew 3 and 17, and lo, from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus confirmed it himself whenever he was of age. In Luke 4 and 18 and 19, he's reciting Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. While on earth, Jesus did all these things. And when he raised up his disciples and he sent them out and he raised up his 70 disciples and he sent them out, Jesus did all these things and then he gave permission and power to the disciples to go do these things. And they returned rejoicing. In Luke 10, they, they came returning rejoicing that the devils bowed, that the devils were cast out. Listen, they, they did such a great work that we, we read in 18 that, that Satan fell from heaven. He had a heart attack because the disciples were working in such great power. And Jesus confirms their power, but he tells them in Luke 10 and 20, he says, notwithstanding in this rejoice, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. God sent his son. 
Believing on him, rejoicing in him is the greatest deposit you'll ever make in your life. Colossians 1 and 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, Jesus came to reconcile all things to him and to God. Where we were separated, he came to reestablish that relationship. We'll always face trials and tribulations. We'll always face troubled times. But hold on to God and stay faithful. Philippians 2 and 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, his good pleasure in you. He wants you to stay undefiled. He wants you to live a life of righteousness, holy, because it's him that works in you for his good purpose. Allow God to use us, just like the Hebrew boys. Daniel 3 and 29, therefore I make a decree, this is King Nebuchadnezzar, therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. All because they stayed true to the living God. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap break. All because they stayed true to God, a nation was changed. So what are you depositing? People should know that you serve a living God. People should know that you, that you serve a living God by the mannerism in which you walk. Our employees, our employers, everyone that we're in contact with should know that we serve God Almighty. It should be in our hearts. It shouldn't be any thumping. It should be the love that we bring forth, the forgiveness that we show forth. Our wives and our children, they should know that we love God and that we love them in the same mannerism, amen? So what are you depositing? In closing, set yourself apart. Be different from the world. Live right, love much, be a blessing to people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were a blessing to people just by their love, amen? God loves you and God chose you. God chose you for his good purpose. Just as he chose those three Hebrew boys, he chose you and I to walk this world out, to be his holy children and impact people's lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. If you will, bow your head, close your eyes. I don't know your heart. I don't know where you're at in life. And maybe you might be in a fire right now. And if that's you, this altar's open. And I would encourage you to come. I'd encourage you to allow brothers and sisters in Christ to get around you and pray with you. Prayer changes things. This morning, I needed Judy Palmer to pray for me. And I'm thankful for her willingness. I'm thankful for her obedience. What's in your heart tonight? This altar's open. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've never surrendered to him, I'd ask you to raise your hand. There's one today being drawn by the Spirit of God that would say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. 
Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 